Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place for the show for every team here in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yep, it's me and Kent again. We're on uh, on remote talking uh, via computer and phone. So we'll, uh, we're here to bring you some more reaction from the Ducks last week. Things are slowing down because of uh, the All-Star break, I believe, right? They don't have a game for another almost a week yeah they had a pretty long layoff but a nice uh nice couple to, to head into the break with absolutely so how, how you been doing ken everything good things are good yeah yeah we're busy uh busy things at the uh, coffee shop and uh yeah everyone's uh back feeling good again at the, the hudson's house so it's uh yeah things are good how about yourself same. Just got off uh, some some guests visiting for the last few weeks and uh, watched the conference championship games in the NFL last night. So I'm uh, I'm doing well. Happy to get back to work. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so today we're going to break down the Nashville game. There's some something uh, that which happened, man, almost a week ago now. Some interesting storylines there, and then Carolina as well. Uh, and then we'll talk Golden Knights firing Gerard Gallant, which was pretty uh, pretty surprising. I think I think we'll both agree, right? Yeah, yeah. I was completely uh, completely surprised by that. I mean, I guess I don't follow them that closely but i didn't they weren't even really on on my radar as any anyone that that would be a possibility for but i guess you never know and if you're watching the team closer maybe this is something that was a little more expected but i mean the job he's done since they came in it's pretty tough to argue with but uh, i don't know i guess they They've got some. Uh, got a pretty good lineup, and if they feel like uh, after we'll call it the the favorable uh, expansion draft terms that they had, while well, they still are kind of have the benefits of that situation in place, feel like this is the the time is now. So I guess that's that's what I take away from that. But um, and I know. Uh, I never played for uh, Pete DeBoer, uh, but just still knowing uh, a lot of the guys uh, up in San Jose over the past few years uh, since playing there. I know he was uh, highly thought of and uh, a well-respected and well-liked coach. So sometimes it's not a knock it's just uh trying to get a free a fresh base in there to hopefully uh hopefully catch on to something and and uh ride the ride the wave of success the, the rest of the year i'm sure they're open yeah i have i have a theory about it i think i mean it's probably not the entire reason i know they they had dropped a few games in a row and were out of playoff position but i think with the raiders coming to uh las vegas next season i i thought i think 
and the fact that there were so many good coaches available between DeBoer, LaViolette, a lot of guys who had lost their jobs recently who hadn't been hired. I think Vegas probably figured it was the right time, if there was one, to, to make a change because, I mean, if you, if you miss the playoffs this season, the Raiders are going to be the first professional team playing in Las Vegas next season. It's not, they're going to start before the Golden Knights. So I think that probably played a role. They were probably desperate to keep that momentum going from their first two seasons. And the NFL is a pretty big juggernaut to contend with, no matter how, can, uh, no matter how successful your team's been. I mean, it's just the, it's the biggest sport in America and, and it is, has so many parallels with, with sports betting and, and just it's, it's pretty much tailor made for Las Vegas. So I think they felt some pressure to make sure that they didn't fall out of the, uh, out of relevance in the city, even though it would be hard to imagine considering the role they've played uh, in the last two seasons. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Those are some interesting, uh, interesting storylines there. That's funny. I, I didn't, uh, it shows you how in the loop, I am uh, with the overall sports world. I didn't even know that uh, the NFL was going to Vegas. So yeah, I think that that uh, that definitely would make sense. And and the fact that if they dropped a few in a row there, I, I guess yeah, all uh, makes a little more sense now knowing all that. It was pretty. It was pretty surprising, I think, to see that happen. But uh, let's get into the Nashville game. So. The Ducks beat Nashville for the second time this season. It was the first of two wins back-to-back, and that's the first time when you combine that with the Carolina win that they'd won back-to-back games since November 1st. So things starting to look uh, look like there's a little bit of momentum being generated. We'll see how it goes. But uh, uh, what did you think of the, of the Nashville game? Yeah, that's a tough building to play in. I know their, their team isn't the same as it's been maybe the last – uh, three or so seasons where they've just been a powerhouse and kind of basically uh, for the most part unbeatable at home and uh, it's a great atmosphere one of the, the best in the NHL and it's always a, a tough place to go into and, um, and you're just kind of trying to trying to weather the first uh, first little bit and, and then kind of uh, see if you can get one or two points out but uh yeah i thought it was a good performance like the yeah the boys look good kind of attacked the game and um yeah i got some some good contributions and uh yeah there's a lot of a lot of positives i think and it's nice to see some things uh finally go their way and get a result for uh for all the hard work Absolutely. And we had uh, Chase DeLeo playing his first game of the season for the Ducks. He's a native of La Mirada, California. So I think I saw a quote today where he said he was shaking when he got the call up, even though it wasn't his first NHL game for the Ducks. I mean, it's a, a, a... definitely a big milestone I know you've experienced but and then playing in your own hometown basically I mean that's that's pretty uh that's pretty unbelievable yeah it's uh those, those calls uh yeah those are the best you wait a long time for those and yeah I'm sure it had to be a special moment for him and and uh yeah that was great to see I mean the great old player he's got uh got some awesome uh some unbelievable speed i remember uh some of those preseason games watching him out there i mean he absolutely fly uh had a a great year in san diego uh last year and um 
and then yeah, so it's great to see, uh, great to see him get an opportunity. You love those. I, I always kind of, especially having been in that that uh, position for uh, a good a good point in time uh, during my career. So I was always happy for guys. That's a that's a big moment, even if it is for uh, just one game or two games or however many. It never uh, it's, it's never any less special. That's for sure. So uh, so good for him. Whenever I hear DeLeo's name, I'm reminded of one of the more embarrassing moments in my short uh, sports journalism career. Um, <laughs> I'm curious about this story. Yeah, so I was doing a story on a local uh, – he's a hockey – he's a coach now, but he was a, a local guy who, who who played in the WHL and played in the ECHL. His name is Tyler Maxwell. Um, he runs – he coaches a lot of uh, a lot of youth teams here, and he, he has like a skills camp and stuff like that. It, nice guy. Um, so during the story, I, I was over – last summer, I went down to – he was running like an off-season skate with a bunch of NHL players and pros and um, – there were a bunch of guys there. I thought Chase DeLeo was there because there was, was, he was, he's local. I think they knew each other. He, this guy with yeah. long, was, he had long hair. He had kind of, uh, he had Jets practice gear. So I was like, oh, okay, this has got to be Chase DeLeo. So I'm watching the practice. Uh, like Greg Padron was there. Alex Alexiev, who was the, uh, I want to say the first round draft pick of the Capitals a couple of years ago. Um, Jonathan Blum, who, who played a little bit of time in the NHL. It was, it was a pretty good crew. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good crew of uh, of uh, of pros and and some Division One players. But afterwards, I was in I was in the locker room trying to get some quotes, basically about what they thought, why they why they chose to skate with with Tyler specifically over the summer, and kind of what value that his skates brought. And I was I was going to interview, ask uh, who I thought was Chase DeLeo a question. And I was like, all right, so uh, if you could just tell me your full name and, and who you play for. And he goes, Brendan Lemieux. And I kind of laughed. I was like, ha ah, no, you mean you're, you're Chase DeLeo. He goes, no, I'm Brendan Lemieux. I was like, ah, that's funny. Cause I heard, I didn't know who Brendan Lemieux was. And I heard the last name Lemieux and I was like, oh, he's yeah. just, he's pulling my leg. He's, he's using like his, a, a fake name. So I just kind of laughed yeah. and I was like, ha stop, stop messing with me. And he's like, no, no, I'm Brendan Lemieux. And I was like, oh, and the, the other guys are in the locker room, like kind of looking at me like, what is this guy doing? And so I was like, whoops. So it turned out it was Brendan Lemieux now of the New York Rangers. Uh, I was like, I was, I must've been bright red. I was so embarrassed. Like, cause he had kind of, I mean, we've seen him play now. Brendan Lemieux is a little bit of a shit stir. And so uh, he, he had that same kind of cocky look on his face and I thought he was messing with me. And so I was like, Oh, this guy's just, it's, it's Chase DeLeo, but it turned out it was, it was Lemieux. And I, I, uh, I, I, I think about that and I cringe every single time I hear both of their names. <laughs> oh man, that's classic. Yeah, the old classic mix. Up. No, we know. Uh, yeah, we know uh, the the Lemieux well. So, yeah, they're great people, and he's he's a great guy. And yeah, he, he's um, had a had an awesome uh, kind of uh, season there in the Rangers. Yeah, loves loves stirring it up, getting in there, and uh, yeah, good player, hard nosed players fun to watch just uh, I just love players like that absolutely and to his credit he was patient with me he didn't rip my head off or call me an idiot or anything he just he he just must have been thinking like what is wrong with this guy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah anyway back back to the uh the nashville game 
So a couple interesting goals. Manson gets his first goal of the season, so that's got to feel good for him finally breaking through off a very nice pass by Andre Kasha. Um, So it was good to see that. I I thought the goal that stood out to me, uh, not to bring a negative thing back in here, but the kind of almost the – like a, a, a microcosm of the Ducks' problems the whole season. The goal that Henrique scored uh, on the power play where there was a nice low pass across the uh, kind of switching sides during the power play. Uh, Raquel one-times it but kind of uh, doesn't really get it right. And uh, I think it was uh, – it wasn't Rene. It was their backup was in goal, who's, who's pretty good. I feel bad that I'm uh, uh, blanking out yeah, his name. Sorry. Saros, Juicy Saros, yeah. So Saros makes the save, and uh, luckily it squirts through, and Henrique, Henrique's able to put it in. But, I mean, that 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 type of pass and one-timer uh, on a lot of teams with, with that kind of sniper goes in. So I, I thought that was an interesting uh, – it's good to see that the Ducks are doing better on their power play, and, and that did go in. But I was, I was uh, kind of surprised to see that it didn't go in right off the stick of Raquel. Yeah, I always I used to hate that as a penalty killer. That's like the, the one thing you never want to let let happen is that cross ice seam pass. It just opens everything up. The angle kind of changes so drastically, and the goalie has to go side to side, and with all that movement, kind of opens up holes. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess that's why the guys that can put the puck in the net get paid so much money because it's uh it's difficult <laughs> difficult to do and that's uh i mean yeah you see kind of uh ovechkin so often just kind of wires those and uh but i mean i think a lot of it's just kind of shot volume too i mean you, you see him on the highlight get all those goals from the, the kind of half wall one timer but I mean, a fair amount gets to Hopter missing that too. We just don't see those on the highlights, but it's just kind of getting the reps and getting those attempts up and, and kind of doing it by volume. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was, uh, you got pretty good, decent wood on it. Saros um, made a great kind of, save. Yeah, I say Saros came across and it was a great push to come across and got a piece of it. And then uh, I thought that was a heads up kind of one of those. Uh, you know, never, uh, never I'll quit on, on the play. play. Type of plays uh, by Enrique just kind of heads up because um, I don't know. It looked like everyone kind of let up, thinking that Sorrow was kind of had it or admiring the save or whatever. But just to kind of go in there on the off chance that that something happens, that a heads up play, and then you just saw the puck kind of pop out the the back just a couple of inches and uh, enough for an easy tap in, but. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's just it's a tough, tough job, that goal scoring. I certainly uh, was definitely not an authority on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can, can speak to how, how tough it is, but, uh, yeah, I would definitely love to, to get a sniper. That's uh, no doubt there. Yeah, I think, one of those. I think everybody would. Um, and then our uh, uh, guess who Derek Grant comes back uh, right from injury and scores yet another shorthanded goal. I mean, that was what was 
Uh, great to see him score again, get, get back on the, uh, get back on the grind after being off with such a long injury. And it was pretty much a, a classic Derek Grant goal, if we can call it that at this point, I mean, he, he read the play really well, jumped in, got a breakaway and then went the, uh, forehand backhand between the, uh, between the Saros's legs. So it was a, a great goal on Grant's part. Yeah, all around there. I think uh, another guy who I think has been really good this year doesn't necessarily get a lot of credit or fanfare. Made another good play on that goal. Kind of, it seems to be kind of uh, his M.O. is uh, Carter around. He's just kind of an under, just does a ton of dirty work all, all over the ice. And on that one, um, yeah, awesome to see Grant pick up right where he left off. Another shorty. Uh, and I just—it was great to see how how uh, how fluid and comfortable and smooth his, uh, like his skating looked, like picking that puck up, going in front on a breakaway, and uh, yeah, he, he looks like he hasn't skipped a beat, which is which is great after that much time time off, and, to, and that was uh, yes, yeah, a slick move. I go in the old big uh, shot to the back end slide of five pole and man, that's an interesting comment by uh, Brian Hayworth watching the replay on what Soros is doing with his stick I mean it take a, a goalie to kind of really dissect that and pick that up but it, it's uh, it's funny how that how that move uh, how that that move works and it's uh, it's basically success rate is pretty much dependent on how well the goalie uses their stick coming across to either if they're out of balance or misuse it kind of case in point like that, it just leaves the five hole wide open as they're sliding across. And I think that that would have to be probably one of the most frustrating moves as a goalie to get beat on. Cause it's just like, you're there, you're pretty much right on top of it. And it slides right between your legs. But, uh, but yeah, Carter back to Carter around here at the blue line just makes a great kind of little battle play kind of unnoticed subtle, just kind of, wins a battle on the boards and uh, just kind of knocks the puck off the wall in an area where Grant can swoop in and, and take it in on a breakaway for a goal. So um, those guys have been been getting it done uh, all year. So uh, another good play. And, yeah, just great to see uh, Grant back in the lineup after he's having such a good year and to, to lose time to an injury. But to, to come back and pick up like that was awesome. And then we had uh, the new defensive pairings there, and uh, we saw the pairing with uh, Manson playing uh, with, uh, I think it was Fowler, and then you said you mentioned Lindholm and uh, and Goodbranson. So, uh, just uh, how how did you feel about those pairings? I mean, I, I think sometimes as a D, it's um, like the same mentality as when the the forwards um, kind of pick and choose when the or the coach, excuse me, picks and chooses when it, when things kind of tend to get a little stale sometimes and you just need a spark and you'll still have your, your core lines that you're going to go to for the bulk of the 80 game schedule. That That's kind of the blueprint or makeup of the team. But every so often, I think if it just shows signs of getting stale or just to shake things up a bit and, um, see if you can find some chemistry elsewhere, even if it's only for, three to five games. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's not going to hurt. I mean, I, I think it's, um, yeah, just kind of freshen things up and, and yeah, get some guys 
playing with some different guys and then see what happens. I think, um, and then what do you know? Uh, yeah, Josh Manson scores his, uh, scores that nice goal off. The, yeah, as you mentioned, a great a great pass, which kind of it took uh, watching the slow motion replay to really appreciate how good that pass, how perfectly threaded through like three or four sets of legs and sticks that pass really was. And you saw Manson when he scored, he kind of anytime you see that, when you, you kind of see the reaction of the guy who scored looks for the guy who made the pass and you can like say, what a pass. And you can see Manson say that. That's how you know it's uh, it's something special. And, and you can see on the replay what a great pass that was. And uh, great play by Josh to, to put that up kind of right under the bar. And uh, that was interesting that they were mentioning it was just uh, the drought was over, the first goal in 70-something games. Just surprising to me because I know he's a big physical defenseman, but, um, I mean, he he does have skill too, but I, I think uh, especially these days as a, a defenseman, it's basically points are so uh, so correlated to power play time as a defenseman. I mean, five on five is coverages are uh, are so good, you know, 99% of the time, every once in a while there'll, there'll be a breakdown. Uh, there was a pretty significant one on the good Branson goal against Carolina, but uh, that's rare to see. Um, so it's just not a lot of room out there, five on five, but um, yeah, to see him sneak down, backside, good time, good timing to go down there, great pass, and uh, yeah, happy that the the drought is over because yeah, I mean it's not like he's strictly uh, he's he's not a blood defenseman. I mean he's a good player. He's got some skill to his game. So hopefully that kind of gets the, the monkey off his back and um, some of those point shots can find their way through traffic or uh, he can continue just kind of getting up in the play and and uh, see what happens. Before we continue, let's get a couple quick ads from our sponsors. Support for Believe comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, you wouldn't want to use a weed whacker down there like the guy outside my house right now trimming the bushes. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Your nuts will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BELIEVE. Want to make a bet on the Super Bowl? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted sports books in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all, from the NBA to the Premier League. MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if your deposit is $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use your promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. And speaking of that Branson goal against Carolina, um, 
Uh, wow, sorry, having a brain fart. Speaking of the Gabranson goal against Carolina, the Ducks get their second victory, like I mentioned, in a row, first time since November 1st. And Gabranson plays a big part in that. He ties his career high uh, of four goals. He's five away from his career high in points off the assist from, I believe it was Ryan Getzlav, who found him right open. You mentioned the defensive breakdown five on five that, that Carolina fell victim to. But uh, Gabranson buries it when he gets the opportunity. He's having one of his, I mean, like I said, his best goal scoring season and might have his best point season altogether. He, it looks like, I mean, he kind of has, or I might word this a different way. <laughs> you, 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 in your career had some seasons where, where you definitely were way above what your normal output was. How does that feel? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, that's not meant as a, <laughs> a slight, but I mean, you had some, some, uh, <laughs> some, some goal. Yeah. No, just say it. Yeah. No offense. No offense. Uh, like, yeah, when you're having a career year and it seems like, yeah, you're just kind of, um, way above your average and, uh, yeah, it, it kind of um, definitely happened to me, um, like in the minors as well. Like when you have those seasons where the points are just going in, and uh, I don't know, like that, that was always a, a good bonus. I, I remember the year after uh, we won the cup with Anaheim. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that that can go into it. Like, I think I was um, putting in a lot of, obviously, favorable, uh, like, spots to succeed on the ice and a lot of kind of favorable matchups and uh, had a great partner that year. Um, uh, it was uh, Joe DePenta and uh, Matthew Schneider, uh, oh, nice. who was like a all-world defenseman, like incredible player. So, um, so yeah, and then like I, I think that was a, my best year, one of my best years point-wise and plus-minus-wise and all that stuff. And it was just one of those years where everything kind of tends to go right. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think as, uh, as a defenseman, um, unless that's a part of your – uh, game and that expectation is there a lot of it's kind of one aspect of your game but not as important as it is for, for forwards I think on the whole like they kind of look at your for my role on the team it was more about the, the kind of all around game that was important I guess how how I was uh, handling my own zone was as important, if not more important, than uh, the points I was getting. But yeah, I mean, I think when you have those those years uh, where things are going well, you're kind of like putting stuff towards the net, and you're you're getting a good balance here and there. It's not that you're necessarily your level of play is is that much better, if any, <laughs> than usual. So, I mean, you're still the same player that you've always been, but. Uh, yeah, or I'll, you'll chip a puck off the glass and it'll land on someone's stick and they'll go in and make a play and score a goal. So you get those nice second assists. Those defensemen sometimes always love those. And uh, so, yeah, just a few extra of those. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of things kind of come together to make that happen. But, uh, yeah, as a defenseman, I would think it would kind of be similar for uh, – 
Good Branson, where it's more about his entire game and the points are just kind of a bonus. When you were in San Jose, you had another good year, uh, three goals, 19 assists, 22 points. So I'm curious who your D partner was that year. Oh, it was JD. Is uh, Jason Demur is my boy. Yeah, he had. Uh, yeah, no, we had a great season. He had great chemistry. We were roommates on the road, and I could, I, uh, yeah, I mean that that team was so stacked too. The San Jose team that year. I mean, talk about uh, chipping a puck out and. and uh, you know, landed on Jumbo's stick or Pavelski's stick, or like we just had a had a great team that year. So as we did in 2008, so that <laughs> that stuff always uh, always helps the cause. But also with uh, with San Jose, that was kind of a bit of a change where um, it was basically didn't didn't matter which defenseman you were, kind of first or sixth or you're the seventh defenseman coming in. Everyone kind of had a responsibility. Because um, before on other teams, like as far as getting up in the play, you'd the guys would have the green light. You, know, you always kind of hear that. Would you give them the green light? Um, and it, it would kind of like uh, kind of leave it up to you as players um, to get up in the play, whether you – I don't know, and everyone kind of understood their role, whereas uh, when we went up to San Jose, it didn't matter. Like I said, if you were the first defenseman or the seventh defenseman, everyone was expected to get up in the play and join the rush. It was kind of like that was part of their system and that was built in. So it's almost like uh, that was as important as tying up a guy's stick in front of that if there was a, a turnover of the puck you were automatically, you had to get off the ice. That was a part of the system. So that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, Todd McClellan. That was uh, a cool way to play. And, um, and yeah, they had a, had a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, I think I remember that, that season, um, that year, or I remember more than one afterwards with the, uh, the way the playoffs went, unfortunately, I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, it, it definitely just watching the sharks. I know we've gotten off the rails a little bit, but watching the sharks, especially in that era, uh, you could tell that, that everybody had bought in and, um, it was, it was an interesting and fun brand of hockey to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to play in too. And I, uh, yeah, it's cool. Like, like I was, I was very fortunate. I got to play for, uh, you know, four or five unbelievable coaches, and and each one kind of taught me something different about the game. So yeah, I was definitely lucky in that sense. But yeah, the San Jose years were were fun. They were great. Before we continue, let's talk about sleep. We need eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems? Temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. It's our pleasure to introduce the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. It can adjust the temperature for two people sleeping in the same bed, which is pretty cool. Um, And you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. 
For the next week, get $200 off your pod and a free gravity blanket for a total of $500 only at 8sleep slash pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Want to make a bet on the Super Bowl? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted sportsbooks in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries, MyBookie's got it all, from the NBA to the Premier League. MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. So uh, let's just wrap up the Carolina game. I thought the defense played pretty well, not just offensively, but uh, uh, only allowed 11 shots in the final two periods in overtime. Sam Steele gets the game winner, which was good to see. He had a nice breakaway, kind of contested breakaway goal that he flipped up into the corner. And then, uh, like we said, I've a couple times, just the, the third time, I think all season or fourth time all season, the ducks won two consecutive time, games in the first time since November. So some good signs there. Anything else you noticed from Carolina? Uh, yeah, I know we just talked about it, um, a little bit, but yeah, going back to the good Branson play, a uh, great play by, uh, Getsy there to, to get in on the four check kind of, win a battle, get inside position, kind of out-hustle the defenseman, and then uh, another phenomenal pass um, just to find good Branson streaking down the, the backside. That was a pretty uh, latent uh, missed coverage, which you don't, don't often see uh, someone coming in that wide open off a basic entry for the guy's kind of circles uh, a third of the zone to find someone that wide open. But uh, credit to Gabe Branson there was a, uh, yeah, he had, if you one-on-one to be that wide open, sometimes kind of uh, freeze up, but he made a great move there. Like that was a poised uh, head up the whole way, kind of shot open up to five hole and, uh, and yeah, made no mistakes. So that was a, a great play. Um, and then, yeah, the three on three, uh, yeah, nice play there. Uh, I'm not sure who made, was that Silverberg who made the pass off? Someone. Yeah, it was Silverberg. It was off balance, kind of nice into space. Yeah, that was an incredible pass right off the turnover, head up, and then to just kind of, uh, yeah, zip it up to the neutral zone right on the tape. And, uh, yeah, nice play by Sam Steele and you can get an experience in the three on three and then you see the upside of that that offensive skill and a great shot to, to give him two straight heading into the break which is oh man I wish uh, I think everyone always welcomes the break this time of year but uh, when, when you finally kind of grasp something and win two in a row I know you would have been great to have another couple before the all-star game to kind of see where that momentum would have gone but uh, something good to good vibes and good thoughts and a, a good result heading into a couple of weeks off. So hopefully they can recapture the magic when we come back. 
Definitely. So let's get into the three stars. Uh, this week, it's going to be the three strangest things you've ever seen in a hockey game. Uh, and coincidentally, the NHL Network had like top 50 strangest plays uh, just this past weekend uh, after I'd already came, come up with the idea. And so I watched some of it, but I, my, my three still kind of stuck um, on my top three. But what were yours? Uh, my, I was trying to think of three, the one that comes, uh, immediately to mind and it's funny, we were just talking about, um, San Jose teams was my, my second year in San Jose. So that was the year Vancouver beat us in the conference finals and went on to that, uh, epic series against Boston, um, with the game winning goal in that uh series i remember i was on the ice floor and the puck i think it was double or maybe triple overtime and the puck came into the zone or it was off the face off or something and i think nine guys on the ice uh like the puck went up into the, the glass and nine of us on the ice had no idea where the puck was um like uh, I thought the puck was up in the stands and everyone was kind of looking around. No one had any idea where the puck was. And, so, and then all of a sudden I just see the red light go on. Everyone starts going crazy. And I'm just kind of looking around at uh, like to see where, where the like, reps were. Like that can't be a goal. Like what, what, did, like what just happened? And, and everyone was, there was just mass confusion. Not till after the, uh, after the game was over, you kind of get in the, the locker room and take a look at what happened. And it looked like it, it hit a partition in the glass and took this crazy carom bounce and was just kind of uh, bouncing awkwardly on the ice. And Kevin Bieksa, I think, was the only person who had any idea where it was. And he said he was just trying to basically get something on net. Because I think even the goalie... Um, uh, Niemi was looking around like none of us had any idea where the puck was. And so, uh, yeah, so Juice just, just uh, took a one-time kind of nine iron at it and skipped this uh, puck just kind of end-over-end wobbling one-timer. I think it kind of scooted in five-hole on Niemi and then, of course, the place just went nuts. But none of us had any idea what had happened. So that was... Uh, that was a weird one and a tough way to lose a, a series for sure. Um, yeah. That was probably the weirdest uh, NHL one. But, uh, <laughs> the second one, let's see, it was one. <laughs> it didn't happen on the ice though, but that was this one time we were in, uh, playing for the Ducks farm team in Portland in playoffs against the Bruins in Providence. We were going to Providence. And our bus broke down in like the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and then we had to stay in this like roach motel <laughs> with, a, I don't think they had to like, with, the rooms didn't have heat. So it was all in these like disgusting rooms, but it was the only place we could stay within like 50 miles or something like that. So we basically had to walk through snow. It was crazy night, but we ended up, winning the series um, the next game, but uh, that was uh, that might a strange have been, one. 
That might have been in my home state. I mean, if you're going from Portland to uh, Providence, that might have been in my home state yeah. of uh, New Hampshire or or maybe Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere in there, yeah. In yeah, the middle of nowhere. Was, yeah, yeah. So that, was, uh, that was interesting. I always have uh, stuff like that happen in the wires uh, the there. Always lots of, lots of interesting stories from those days. That all, all good stuff. And then... Talking about the one of the <laughs> the weirdest slash funniest things I've ever seen in a hockey game would have to be uh, one of my buddies back in uh, junior hockey in, uh, in the Ottawa area. I don't know some of my buddies listen to the podcast back there. Our buddy Jake Gamble was uh, was playing junior B and got called up to play uh, junior A in Cumberland, which is a, a kind of suburb of the Ottawa area. And uh, so I went to watch him play because he just got the, the big call up to Tier 2 Junior A. Um, yeah, so this is one of his first games, and he was just uh, always a little Tasmanian uh, devil out there and just always uh, always stirring things up. He's a good player, but... Uh, uh, yeah, always, uh, always kind of driving the uh, the opponents crazy. And he had, I think, half the, was in a scrum, and I think speared a guy, <laughs> punched a guy in the head, and half the other team was was trying to get after him to to kill him. And he uh, was kind of uh, like the refs were in there to break him up. And as he was skating away from the scrum with like four guys trying to get after him, he <laughs> grabbed the uh, the other team's goalie's water bottle off the top of the net started drinking out of it <laughs> and then uh, threw it on the ice so then there was pretty much a line brawl at that point but uh, yeah he, he made a big impression old gamble uh, <laughs> that night I think he he uh, had a good stint with Cumberland there and uh, yeah we loved one of our good buddies the gambler so that was uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen at a hockey game um, so those are my three. Uh, well, how about you? All right. So I had some, I had a whole bunch, but I, I tried to make them more personal. Um, I've got a couple honorable mentions that I'll mention at the end, but the first one um, or the third place, uh, which isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily funny, but I was doing a, um, I was doing a, a play-by-play for the USC club team last year against UCLA. And one of the USC players got his arm sliced down to the tendon, like his wrist. And you could see the blood, pumping out of it like every time his heartbeat you could see the blood pumping out into the ice and so everyone was like oh my god people were like trying not to vomit the kid ended up being okay uh, but they had to stop the second period early clean up the ice they had uh actually one of the i think one of the players uh for usc's dad was actually a team doctor for the sharks or was at one point in his career and he was there and helped the guy out so um he's okay he's he's now the captain of the uh of the USC team. So he's back and, and healthy and playing, but that was, that was definitely bizarre in a horrifying way. Um, yeah. The second one, which is funny um, was second place. When I was a senior in high school, my, my last season playing at, at the public high school where I grew up in Hanover, we played in the quarterfinals. This, this, the team that was one of our huge rivals, they hated us. They were, I mean, our, our town was kind of seen as the like, hoity-toity rich town and and they were like the working class town so they hated us and they always wanted to beat us and we we put 
we put a real beat down on them in the quarterfinal. Um, and if the game got out of hand, they, they started getting kicked out of the game. One of their players got sent to jail. Like it was, it was, the story is much longer, but at the end of the game, it was our final game as seniors in, a, in our home building because the rest of the playoffs were in neutral sites. And so we did the senior skate and I have this like vivid memory of a girl who could not have been more than four years old uh, for the oppo- one of the opposing fans giving me the middle finger. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me uh, like I did a double take I was like that is awesome but also what the hell <laughs> um, and then the last one which I always look up on YouTube because I think it's hilarious and miraculous and everything is the uh, the Alice Hemsky goal uh, for Edmonton back this is probably 10 years ago now maybe maybe 15 where uh, they were playing the stars. Patrick Stefan had a, a wide open goal. He was just kind of skating, kind of trying to tap it in. And he, he, he t- caught an edge or something and kind of fell backwards. And the Oilers picked up the puck and rushed down the ice and Hemsky scored as time expired to tie the game. So that was, uh, that is one of my favorite bizarre moments from the NHL. I, I always love that YouTube because just the, the Edmonton play by play guy loses his mind. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be up. That had to be up there on that countdown. And it's like, as soon as you saw him miss that and Edmonton get the puck, you just kind of, you knew that that puck was going in somehow, some way. It was just, that, that is one of the strangest plays I've ever seen. It was crazy. Yep. Uh, but is there anything else you want to add? Or are, you, are, we, are we all done for episode 19? Yeah, I think that's it. I know we, uh, Bree and I, are watching The Bachelor before this, so I got to get in and see what, see what oh. I missed. <laughs> there you go. You probably missed a whole. That's like three hours long, man. That that is a long show. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go see who got the roses here. There you go. Well, I'll leave you to it. Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Tom. Twenty twenty. A new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.